Hello, everyone, and welcome to Litigation Radio. I'm your host, Dave Scriven-Young. I'm a commercial and environmental litigator in the Chicago office of Picard & Abramson, which is recognized as the largest law firm serving the construction industry with 115 lawyers and 11 offices around the U.S. On this show, we talk to the country's top litigators and judges to discover best practices in developing our careers, winning cases, getting more clients, and building a sustainable practice. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and your favorite podcasting app to make sure you're getting updated with future episodes. This podcast is brought to you by the litigation section of the American Bar Association. It's where I make my home in the ABA. The litigation section provides litigators of all practice areas the resources we need to be successful advocates for our clients. Learn more at ambar.org slash litigation. Mentoring has shown to have a significant impact on the professional development of lawyers, from providing guidance on career paths to offering advice on specific cases. However, despite its many benefits, mentoring can be difficult to find, particularly for new lawyers just starting out. So in this episode, we'll be exploring the benefits of mentoring, the challenges of finding a mentor, and strategies for developing effective mentoring relationships. Today's show will feature an engaging and informative discussion on mentoring for lawyers, whether you're a seasoned lawyer looking to pass on your wisdom or a new lawyer seeking guidance. Our guest today is Lisa Walmart, who is the Chief Legal Officer for the U.S. Businesses of Prudential Financial. Before joining Prudential in 2013, she served as a Legal Director of Merkin Co., managing complex commercial litigation, products liability, and multi-district litigation. Before transitioning to an in-house counsel role, Lisa represented Fortune 50 and 100 companies in complex commercial litigation for 15 years, most recently as partner with Dave Pitney. And in addition to her leadership role at Prudential, Lisa is a recognized diversity champion and trailblazer committed to advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion in the legal profession. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Oh, thank you, Dave. I am delighted to join you today. Thank you for the invitation. Well, I I love mentoring. So glad to to be having this discussion with you. Um, And I understand that you've had uh, many mentors who have affected your life. Uh, Would love to hear about some of the mentors um, that have helped you over the course of your career, if you'd like to, to talk about some of those folks. Yeah, so mentors have played a critical role, I would say, Dave, in all stages of my development. So just to give you a little bit of background, personal background on me, I was raised um, in New York and I was raised by a single mother who was only 18 years old when she had me. We did not have a lot of financial means when I was growing up. I was one of the first members of my family to go to college and I think still to this day, the only member of my family to go to law school. So there weren't a lot of people in my immediate family or community who could provide advice and guidance about college or, or professions, professional options. But my mother worked for a university when I was younger, and she expanded her network through, through that work. And we, we became acquainted with folks who became essentially extended family members uh, to us. And several of those people served as mentors, not only to me, but also to my mother. They provided counseling to her about my education and, you know, how she should think about my education. The neighborhood schools were not outstanding where I grew up. And then later in my development as a teenager and high school student, they provided counseling to me and advice on colleges. And about my career journey and eventually law school. So 
I would say mentors from a very young age have been critically important, but also throughout my career. I've had many mentors um, in private practice as well as as an in-house lawyer. And many of them were allies. Many of them did not look like me. They were not women or people of color, but nonetheless, um, they could see something in me and were willing to invest their time and energy in my development. So I've been very fortunate. Well, I think a lot of young lawyers, especially, um, say they have a hard time finding mentors. And I, I think you mentioned in your kind of your opening statement that your mom actually expanded her network in order to help find mentors for herself and, and for you. How did she go about doing that? I'm, I'm curious. I think the most successful mentoring relationships develop organically. So the people in my mother's life who had a a profound impact on her as well as me were people who developed really close and authentic relationships with my mother and with me, Um, folks that I consider aunts and uncles, even though we weren't, you know, related um, by blood, but who through that authentic relationship and trust we were able to receive um, feedback and guidance in in a way that was really impactful. And how how do you go about figuring out like what type of mentor that you need? Because there are so many people that, you know, perhaps can provide advice in one area, but not another. How did did you go about in your legal career, find mentors to kind of for specific practice areas or uh, for, you know, career resources? Well, so, Dave, I think one of the important things to remember is that mentors can appear in your life even when you don't expect it. Right. So so we do obviously encounter people in our in our careers who who we sort of idolize, right? Folks who are experts in their fields or who are just incredible leaders. Um, And that may give us an opportunity to do outreach and ask for guidance throughout our careers, depending upon what our development needs are at the time. But there are also leaders who may see something in you. And because of what they see in you, they may actually um, take an interest and provide feedback and provide guidance and provide leadership in helping you to think through sort of your professional career journey. And so I would say that we have to keep our eyes open to the help that's offered to us throughout our careers and to the folks who express an interest in our development. Well, and asking for help is key and accepting that help is also key because I think as a lot of lawyers, myself included, um, I think that we we like to think that we have it all figured out. And that's why we're so successful. That's why we were able to make it through law school uh, was kind of on, on our own. But then, you know, thinking about it, of course, that's not true because we had law professors and, you know, colleagues, you know, friends in law school and, and other people who kind of helped us along the way, parents maybe who helped pay for it and and gave us support and other family members and that sort of thing. So kind of realizing that help is needed and accepting that help is is a hard thing, I think, especially for lawyers to do, but key to to finding and and having that mentoring relationship. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I think as lawyers in particular and as as litigators, right, um, I think sometimes it's very difficult to ask for help. Pride may get in the way, but it shouldn't. The only way that we can continue to learn 
is if we're willing to be vulnerable, to um, admit what it is that we know and what we don't know. And there's a lot that we don't know. Um, And so we should do outreach so that we can continue to learn on this journey. And there are lots of folks out there who are prepared to spend the time with us to help us through that learning. Well, and you mentioned things that we don't know that we don't know, um, so to speak. (laughs) And I think especially, you know, starting off at a law firm, for me, it was like my real, my first real professional job. And I'm sure that's true for, you know, most lawyers who just come right out of law school and, and into a law firm. You're, you're dealing not only with figuring out how to be a lawyer, but also how to figure out kind of a professional uh, work environment. So there's a ton of things that you don't know. And to me, you know, one of the best mentoring relationships I had was somebody who could tell me the things that I don't, that I didn't know that I should know, just kind of like cracking the book of secrets, if you will, on how to succeed in a law firm, how to succeed as a lawyer. And I think having um, a mentor to help out with that is is especially um, important. Do you find did you find that to be true in your career? Absolutely, Dave, and it, and it's really an excellent point, right? Because you know we do need we need different things at different stages in our careers, right? So when we are first starting out in practice, for example, we're still in the skill development stage. And I and I remember having a mentor in private practice when I first started out as a lawyer who would literally roll up his sleeves and eviscerate my briefs. He would just rewrite them, right? As we sat there, he would cross out entire paragraphs and and help me think about, right, how um, how I could have a better voice, right? And be more of an advocate in my writing. And I learned a huge amount from him, right? But if I weren't, if I wasn't open to that feedback or if I took it personally when he sat down there and rewrote my brief, um, I, I wouldn't have learned what I learned. And he, he was instrumental, right? In helping me at that stage of my career. But then as we move on, right, in our careers, we need to develop other skills, right? So there's the subject matter expertise that we we develop, but then as we evolve and we develop, if you're in private practice, relationships with clients, right, that's a whole nother set of learning, you know, learning about your client, your client's industry, learning about what what your clients need from a business perspective, not just providing subject matter expertise, but having true client relationships and management skills. And then there's business development skills, right? When you're in private practice and ultimately as you move on in your career leadership skills, right? How do you lead an enterprise? How do you lead teams? And how do you think about caring for talent within your organizations? So mentors, Different mentors are needed for each of those stages in your career. And it seems to me you need to be able to have an authentic conversation with your mentor about the things that you're doing right, the things that you're doing wrong and could do better. Um, How do you have those authentic conversations? Presumably starts with a trust relationship. So authenticity, I think, is is possible when you do have an honest and open relationship 
And frankly, you do need to be able to have difficult conversations in order to continue to grow and develop. So I would say for, for those who are mentees, right, we have to be open to feedback, right? Feedback is a gift. And in the mentoring relationship, it's critically important that both the mentor is prepared to offer development feedback that is authentic while also being diplomatic, right? So identifying a person's strengths is important when you're serving as a mentor and as a mentee, embracing the feedback and using that feedback to continue to grow and develop. And as as a mentor, I would love to talk to you about kind of your mentoring relationships as you are in the mentoring role, providing uh, guidance, providing feedback to a mentee without, I don't know, going over the top. I mean, I, I've, I've certainly had people who I, I wouldn't necessarily refer to as a mentor because I didn't really like the person, um, but <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of had a, a similar experience at a large law firm with somebody who uh, you know, kind of devastated my writing, but did it in a way that was cruel, um, was completely just mean, didn't really care about the people that he was kind of breaking down. On the other hand, I learned tremendous amount about how to write from this person, but the relationship was quite different than I think the ones that we're talking about, which is kind of a trusting, I don't know, loving even uh, relationship in terms of professional, yes, but one where, you know, you care for each other, right? Yeah. But how, how, how do you kind of toe that line between providing feedback but not kind of going over the top into, you know, <laughs> cruelty? I think there needs to be honest conversation. It doesn't mean that it has to be cruel conversation, right? There's always an opportunity to provide constructive feedback. And to me, when there's a conversation that's occurring and you're serving as a mentor, what that means is it has to be a productive conversation, right? A person's strengths can be leveraged to even greater strengths. So that's part of the conversation as a mentor. And then their opportunities should be presented in a way that is, again, constructive with advice, with advice and counsel about how that feedback can be become actionable. And then I would say one thing that I've done, I think successfully as a mentor um, and also as a leader of people is when I'm sharing feedback, I also share examples of similar feedback that I've received. You know, when you're prepared as a mentor to be vulnerable as well, I think the message is received much more positively. Totally agree with that. Um, you definitely have to show some vulnerability as a mentor. I'm curious about folks who have come to you seeking mentoring. I'm sure in your career path as a partner at partner at um, a large law firm as well as at a, a large corporation, you do get. I'm sure you get mentoring requests from time to time. What are some? I don't know. Good examples of someone coming to seeking for mentoring advice and maybe an example of, of a way not to do it. Cause I'm sure, you know, your time I'm sure is so limited and you want to make sure that you're going to have time for a mentoring relationship and that the person who's coming to you 
is kind of worth that time. And so what are some good good tips, I guess, for folks who, not necessarily you, but folks who want to approach somebody, a, a partner at a law firm or an in-house counsel at um, a corporation for mentoring? From my perspective, I think that you just have to ask. I mean, look, my policy has always been that if anyone asks me, and I've said this in open forums, if I've sat on panels or had conversations, both when I was in private practice and since moving in-house, that I will always, always take time to meet with folks who want to meet with me. And I think as leaders, particularly as women, and, you know, I'm a person of color as well, you know, we know that in our profession, there aren't a lot of women and people of color, just from a percentage perspective, who are in positions of leadership within law firms as partners or equity partners or in leadership positions within corporate America, I will make a a shameless plug for my general counsel, Ann Kapler, who is an incredible leader and role model and a woman, which makes me very happy. But, but I think it's incumbent upon us to, to make the time, right. To make the time. And to the extent that we have the ability to serve as mentors to serve as mentors, A lot of folks are looking for the opportunity to learn and to grow and to understand what our experiences are. How, you know, how do I get to where you are? How do I think about my career progression? How do I think about building my skill set and my leadership skills? And so I think you have to ask. You have to be willing to put yourself out there to have the conversation, but also to invest in the relationship, right? When you are a mentee, in my in my opinion, my humble opinion, and Dave, I don't know if you have a different view of this, but in my opinion, the mentee is the one who controls the relationship, right? Because it's really us who have to take responsibility for our own development. It's not the mentor who can take responsibility for your own development. I would add that I think it's also really important that firms and companies have and offer mentoring programs. At Prudential, we have in our LCBE department, which is law, compliance, and and business ethics, um, we have a very successful mentoring program that's been around for over a decade. Um, And we actually have a reverse mentoring program as well, which is for leaders who are looking for advice and insight on on how they can be better leaders from folks that may be more junior to them in the organization. And it's important. It's an important program that's been very impactful. And I think firms and companies um, need to commit to those types of programs. Well, so a couple of things. Uh, Number one, in terms of taking responsibility for your own professional development and the mentee kind of taking the lead, I completely agree with that. Because I, I often get mentoring requests. The mentee doesn't seem to have a goal for the relationship. I think a lot of people think that a, a mentor is just kind of giving advice down from on high and, and knows all and can provide the easiest uh, way to success. And it's hard to do that without knowing what the mentee specific goal is for the relationship. What uh, weakness or career path they're trying to address with the mentoring relationship. And so being able to 
inform the mentor, you know, look, this is what I'm hoping to get out of this relationship is extremely um, is extremely important because otherwise you're just having lunch and having nice conversations. But I don't think the mentee is really getting what that person ne- needs out of the relationship. Um, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I totally agree. And when I've had mentoring relationships, when I've served as a mentor, I, my expectation is that the mentee will actually have an agenda for our meetings, right? A meeting agenda where we will talk about the the issues or items that um, the mentee is working through, what it is that they're looking for me to provide advice and guidance on. And so there is, there are, and then there are actionable items that come out of the meeting, right? Where the mentee will do X, Y, and Z, right? In accordance with the discussion. And then when we meet again, you'll tell me about how X, Y, and Z went. Um, it has to be sort of an actionable process, right? Or to your point, Dave, you're just sitting and having lunch and there isn't a lot that, that comes out of the meetings that's productive. The other thing uh, that you mentioned is your company's mentoring program. And I've been through a few uh, law firm mentoring programs. Um, some, you know, sometimes the match is good. Sometimes it's not. But I think no matter what comes out of that, firm sponsored or, or or company sponsored mentoring program the i think the important thing to remember is you know as i said sometimes that that match is good sometimes it's not you have to have a lot of different mentors because no matter who the person is that is matched with you that person probably won't be able to address everything that you need so you need to have several different mentors in order to um, guide you on the path if you will Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually think that in some instances, it's good to have, in a sense, your own personal board of directors, right, where you're getting different perspectives from different mentors, right? So you may have a mentor who is um, a senior lawyer within your organization, whether you're in-house or in private practice. You may have a mentor who's on the business side, you know, someone who is either you know, a member of a client organization or otherwise um, engaged in an industry that you are servicing as a lawyer. You may have friends and colleagues from a prior life who can serve as mentors in different ways. So, you know, having sort of a diverse group of individuals who can provide different insights, I think is really critically important as well to our development and growth. And I also love that Prudential has a reverse mentoring component, something that I've advocated uh, for a long time. There are so many things, especially with the rapid change of technology, that more seasoned professionals um, like myself uh, can learn from young lawyers, from young people, uh, whether they're just starting out or a few years into their practice. There's something that we can definitely learn from young people and not just technology. That's just one, you know, easy example and love that uh, Prudential is, is focusing on what young people can provide to us as, as mentors, because there's a lot, the learning I don't think ever stops, even though we're mentors and we're providing our guidance. um, I think there's a lot that we can learn um, from young folks as well. Absolutely, Dave. As I as I say, personal development is a journey, not a destination, right? And there's always more to learn as individuals, as people, 
and as professionals and as leaders. So, and we too have to be open to feedback. So I, I totally agree with you. And then one other thing um, in terms of the difference between a mentor and a sponsor, you hear it kind of the, the terms are sometimes intermixed, intermingled. To you, what, what is the difference between a mentor and a sponsor? A mentor is, well, you can be a mentor and a sponsor, but I believe that the roles are quite different. So mentors are um, folks who provide advice and counsel to the mentee on development, career development, and the like. Whereas a sponsor, I view as more of an advocate, um, someone who is advocating for you when you're not in the room. And sponsors might be folks who are within your organization, and you may not even know that you have sponsors, frankly, but sponsors are the folks who may be sitting in the room when someone's having a discussion about whether Dave should be promoted or whether Dave should have an opportunity to um, serve in a different role in the organization. But sponsors can also be external folks, folks that you've interacted with in different capacities within your professional journey or personal journey, who are the ones advocating, for example, for you to sit on a professional committee. It could be a committee of the courts, for example, or who may advocate for you to be offered a position on a board, a nonprofit board or, or a for-profit board. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's more of an advocacy role. And I would say also it speaks to the importance of, for a whole host of reasons, <laughs> treating everyone with respect and giving everyone the kind of courtesy and kindness that you would, you would expect in your journey as well. Because all of the people that we come into contact with in our personal and professional journeys are folks who have the ability to impact our careers. Absolutely. So we are uh, coming close to the end of our time together, uh, Lisa. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time today. Uh, is there any kind of final, final thoughts uh, that you wanted to leave with our audience uh, regarding mentorship? Yes. So I, I would say that, first of all, Dave, thank you so much for having me. But I, to me, I think the big message from today is to be courageous, to be courageous in asking for help, to be courageous in embracing feedback and understanding that these are important to our profession, that this process is important to our professional journey. Well, Lisa Walmart, thank you so much uh, for being on the show today. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. And now it's time for our quick tip from the ABA litigation section. I'm pleased to welcome back Latasha Ellis to the show. Latasha is a litigator in the Washington, D.C. office of Hunt and Andrews Kurth, focusing on insurance coverage cases. Welcome back to the show, Latasha. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me. So what is your quick tip for today? So I'm going to talk about spring cleaning your practice. This time of year, many people find themselves with the urge to purge what's no longer useful, clearing away the outdated and unnecessary clutter in their lives. And I think that concept can and really should apply to your litigation practice as well. I know that spring officially started before the recording of this podcast episode, but 
now is still a good time to take stock of your practice, to straighten things up, and maybe finish some of those housekeeping tasks that you've been putting off for the past few months. So I have just a couple of tips for that. The first tip is to clean your inbox. If you are anything like me, you get an overwhelming amount of email. And I think that uh, for a lot of lawyers, the real mess is in our inbox. So a messy inbox can result in serious productivity losses. And so taking some time to do some spring cleaning and tidying of your inbox is tip number one. Tip number two is reaching out to existing or old clients. We are no longer going to be hibernating for the winter. That hibernation is over or at least coming to an end soon here in D.C., hopefully. So now is a really good time to reach out to old clients that you may not have heard from in a while. You can send them an email or maybe forward them a newsletter or article just to let them know that you are still available and can add value to their organization. So the second tip is reaching out to existing or old clients. The third tip is to stop saying yes to everything. You know, spring is to, in some respects, is almost the midpoint of the year and busy people take on everything. And I think as lawyers, we are consistently telling ourselves and maybe others that we are so busy. So we are taking on everything and offering unfettered access to our time and expertise. But what someone once told me is that productive people set boundaries. Busy people take on everything productive people set boundaries. So the spring is a great time to start to choose with intention. If you have not been doing so already, simplifying, prioritizing, and really just focusing on what's important um, to your practice. And the fourth tip is cleaning out and taking some time for yourself. So cleaning out your schedule, making sure to carve out time for yourself, especially if you have been Grinding out those billable hours for months, the spring is a great time to take a quick break to recharge. So those are my tips. Um, cleaning out your inbox, reaching out to existing or old clients, stop saying yes to everything, and cleaning out some time for yourself. And I think that by doing this, you're purging what could be cluttering your practice, and you'll have a great path forward for the rest of the year. Love that, Latasha. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Well, that's all we have for our show today, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about today's episode. If you have comments or a question you'd like for me to answer on an upcoming show, you can email me at dscrivenyoung, without the hyphen, at gmail.com, and connect with me on social. I'm at AttorneyDSY on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also connect with the ABA litigation section on those platforms as well. But as much as I'd like to connect with you online, nothing beats meeting in person at one of our litigation section events. So please make sure to join us at the Section Annual Conference in Atlanta, April 19th through the 21st. The Section Annual Conference is the premier event for litigators. It brings together top litigation professionals from across the U.S. to discuss timely legal issues and the latest in trial advocacy, litigation strategy, and case management. The 2023 Litigation Section Annual Conference provides a unique opportunity to learn and interact with in-house counsel, outside counsel, academics, government employees, and judges. We'll also be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the section with a special event at the National Center for Civil and Human Rights. To find out more and for registration information, please go to ambar.org slash SAC 2023. 
If you like the show, please help spread the word by sharing a link to this episode with a friend or through a post on social and invite others to join the show and community. If you want to leave a review over at Apple Podcasts, it's incredibly helpful. Even a quick rating over at Spotify is super helpful as well. And finally, I want to quickly thank some folks who make the show possible. Thanks to Michelle Oberts, who's on staff with the litigation section. Thank you for your help, as well as our fabulous producer, Rich Rivera. Thanks also goes out to my fellow co-chairs of the litigation section's audio content committee, Josh Jones and Tyler True. Thank you to the audio professionals from Legal Talk Network. And last but not least, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. <laughs>